But there's definitely something different. Some of it is skills, some, something, there's some kind of a communication, right? There's something going on different. And uh, it's worth ourselves asking this. So to consider the diversity that, is, that exists and also to celebrate the design that's in that. And that's what we're really trying to do. Now, let me just start with this right off the bat. When we pull up the word diversity, of course, there's a great big old bear trap right there, right? And that is political. We are not going to have that conversation in this setting. That's part of the goal. These wonderful people know that. They know that's not where we're headed. But that doesn't mean that that's an impossible conversation to ever have. This is just not the scenario to do that because what we need to do is build first a theological perspective. What is God's heart? What is his mind behind the diversity that exists? And then we can head into a little bit more of a practical sense of understanding. Scott helped me very much with this paradigm where he said, you know, we can raise awareness. That's good. We can also produce some action. That's good. But what would be best if in raising the awareness, we also raised understanding and then we acted out of our understanding. And that's what we're trying to produce. This will not be the last one of these events where we have a diversity celebration and we continue this conversation. Just so that you know, March 10th, we're going to have a Q&A time across the hall. We're also at the uh, Pub Theology that night on March the 10th. This is going to be the conversation. How do we continue this discussion? But today we have four questions. I'm going to ask these four panelists. This is simple math. If they each take about two minutes per question, then we're here for 30 minutes, and that's about right. It's about 32 minutes, but that's okay. And so what they're not going to be able to do is actually go into great depth and exhaust the concept. No chance. But what you're going to hear is some different perspectives from their walks of life. Manny and Scott and Kathy and Jim all bring a different uh, ethnic diversity. What Jim did not know until just about a week and a half ago, Jim is almost 25% Jewish. I'm not making that up. Seriously, that explains so much to me. And it, it also makes me, I'm going to be really honest, a little jealous. I am. I'm a little jealous of that scenario. So Jim brings an interesting perspective. And of course, he's going to speak on our behalf. But here's four questions. And Kathy, as you know, I'm going to start asking the first question of you today. Why did God make us different? Okay, so as I um, said in the first service, I want to do a, a disclaimer to basically say that I am not speaking on behalf of all African Americans. I'm only speaking uh, from the journey that God has brought me through and to this particular point and what he's taught me. I think that God has made us different when I think of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that each of those are individual and unique, and there is something when they come together that is more powerful than anything. And so I think that perhaps the reason why God made us so different is because there's something that each of us need from each other that we don't have otherwise. Um, my spiritual gift is uh, encouragement. And so a layer of that is I try to find the spiritual gifts in other people and then help them to work 
out that more fully through the Holy Spirit. And so I think that that's what God wants us to do as he works in and through us. Um, And I think that God is doing that on a spiritual level and that the reason why he gave us different skin colors is because some people are visual learners. (laughs) Visual. That's beautiful. Jim, what, uh, make a comment or two, just briefly. You got two minutes. That's all you got. Go. <laughs> I think we are created to uh, be different on purpose. Um, when I think theologically, that you look at Genesis 10 and 11, God created all the nations. And then at the end of the Bible, every nation and tribe is present. And he made us that way on purpose to understand why is because all the different groups, all the different ethnic groups in the world, because of their language and culture, they they conceptualize the one true God. I'm not talking about the different, you know, Allah, Buddha, and all that. I'm talking about the one true God. They conceptualize them through the lens of their experience and their culture, just like we do. If we all shared our story, they'd all be slightly different. And so what happens is he created all the different ethnic groups on purpose so that we can all experience him and learn from each other. So if I talk to Mark, Caucasian guy, I hear one story. I talk to Kathy, different color than me, I hear a different story, but it's a better, it's a bigger story than what I'm used to. And then I'm leaving today, traveling to Nepal, I'm going to cross every threshold there is and hear stories of God that are very unique. So the way I look at it is that God cannot be fully known until every ethnic group has spoken. That's really what eternity ultimately is about, is that we listen and hear from each other. Great. Manny, any ideas related to why we're different? Create us that way. Um, well, we all know God is love, and I just keep thinking of the beauty aspect of it because it's beautiful. That's definitely one side of it. Um, I not only think in people and in you know ethnicities, but I think in nature. I mean, we live in mountains. There's no ocean here, but that exists. You know, so there, there's a beauty to that uh, to that diversity. And in um, experiencing and learning uh, different types of uh, cultures, people, yeah, scenery, <laughs> everything. There's just a beauty. I mean, as we mentioned earlier, it was how boring would it be if everybody looked the same? If there was that same mountain everywhere you went, or that same tree everywhere, or you ate the same food every day? How boring would that be, right? So, just the beauty aspect. Great. Scott, answer that as well, and then take us into, because related, the second question is, why would want us, God want us to not only experience this, but to celebrate that diversity? Go. I, I actually do eat the same food every day. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I do. That's awesome. I'm a creature of habit. But, um, so for me, this first question is, is a lot about duality. Like if we if we really, as Christians, think that we all came from Adam and Eve, um, then we have this similarity to us. We we have um, uh, that that we were all we all were can trace that lineage back to Adam and Eve. Um, then we have to ask a lot of questions, right? Because there's a lot of diversity out there, and so um, there's a uniqueness in that, and then there's also a similarity, and that's where that duality comes in. Scientifically, we are 99.9% the same on a molecular level. So if I, if I needed an organ from somebody, it <clears throat> doesn't matter if that organ came from China or if it came from Africa or if it came from Silverthorn, um, that my body would have a 99.9% chance of accepting that because there's the similarities on the molecular level. 
But then also, we each of us have a different set of fingerprints. Out of the six, almost seven billion people in the world, no two fingerprints are alike. Why is that? We have this unique imprint that God has given each of us and wants us to have this uniqueness and this diversity, but yet we have this connection on a molecular level and on a scientific level that makes us very much um, the same and similar. We're all made of the same stuff, right? So this idea that we're different comes from our own social construction of that. We create that. God didn't create that. So the celebration of that, um, I'm an example of where these things come, come together because my mother and my mother's side is Lebanese, my father and my father's side is, is Dutch and Dutch-American. And uh, If you could think of two really different cultures that came together, that would be those. <laughs> and, um, and growing up, you know, I, I had stress around having to check a box because there wasn't a box for me. You know, on, on the forums, um, I didn't know where to identify or how to identify. And when I did identify as Lebanese, um, I got a lot of assumptions made about me. You know, um, so the, the celebration really is me. I celebrate myself because I come from all these different cultures and people like me. Um, and so, therefore, I expand that out. And, and the celebration of that uh, is, is where the beauty comes in for me. My life is richer because I have been enriched by diversity and by different cultures. Very good. Kathy, why, in your opinion, in your view of it, why do we celebrate our diversity? When I think about it, I think about the body of Christ and how, um, how Scripture says that, you know, one part of the body can't say to another part of the body, because you're not me, then you don't belong to the body of Christ. And so I think when we, from God's perspective, when we consciously say, you are different from me, and you have something that I need that I may not even recognize right now, I think that gives God joy. Hmm. I think that, you know, it looks at... It looks at his creation, and instead of rejecting what he has created, we look at others and recognize you are created in the image of God. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins as well as mine, and he is seeing me from the heart and not from the outside. So I think that's a part of celebrating God. Hmm. Good. Manny, why do you think God would uh, give us this, but then also want us to celebrate? Well, um, I'm also like, uh, like Scott here. Um, I've been blessed from a very early age because uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Greek-Sican. I often say my mother's Greek. My father's Mexican-Puerto Rican. I grew up sort of in this country. I married an Ecuadorian, and we're trying to figure out what my son is. <laughs> Uh, I think it's uh, it's it's um, the 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 celebrating of it again it just always refers back to the back to the beauty of it. Um, I often think also as as Kathy was saying right now, um, you know, God often works in 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 ways that we don't that are mysterious, I guess, but that we don't expect. Um, so many people chosen in the Bible were not the ones that should have been chosen according to the world standards. Um, People who couldn't speak were prophets, things like this. And, uh, 
you know, I mean, why would you choose somebody like John the Baptist, you know, to <laughs> baptize our Lord and these kind of, why would you choose Paul? You know, uh, how did this happen? And so um, I always, I always re- re- refer back to that, you know, those, and, and, and we look at the, the impact that those people had and what they did because God chose them because it was diverse. It was something that nobody expected and it's not something that we're used to. Oftentimes we need to be out of that comfort zone for God. That's when God really works, right? Um, and, and you don't forget it in those moments. So, Great. Jim, why? Why celebrate? I think because God made us to appreciate the difference. I love what you said about it makes God happy. I think he smiles when we celebrate our differences. And at a very practical level, our church is healthier and our experience in church is healthier when we celebrate it. Just like our culture. When we celebrate, I mean, you see what's happening today, all the division and fragmentation. Who's, make, who, who's here is happy about that? And so if we learn to appreciate it and to enjoy each other and be curious about each other, I think that all of society is just fundamentally more settled and happy because we're made that way. Um, As Mark said, I just got my DNA results back. I'm a quarter Jewish. Uh, I had no clue. And all of a sudden I'm curious as a bunch of second cousins that appeared on the DNA list that I had no idea that it even existed. Somewhere I have an aunt or uncle out there. I don't know what's going on, where they came from. You know, somebody's a little shady in my family history. <laughs> but I'm curious. I'm, we've all been emailing each other trying to learn, how do I know you? And people are just happier when we're curious about each other. I think we're just made that way. Good. Manny, uh, one of the aspects of this is, of course, the conversation. Um, give us some ideas on why we uh, need to listen to each other, maybe how we could listen to each other to be a little more aware. Um, as I mentioned earlier, growing up in this very international mentality household, uh, I didn't ever know what I was, because like Scott was saying, we didn't fit in anywhere. My wife also did the same. They, I think they, there's a ter- third culture kids or something like this. So, um, again, my wife is Ecuadorian but grew up in Geneva and uh, it came back here to uh, the States. And so we're always searching for that. And to, to, your, to your question, is, um, it, it was always very natural for us to listen and to, and, and to just receive that because that's what we had in our household um, we just live that, you know, we, we listen to other cultures, we listen to other people who were different. I remember being a young boy and listening for the first time in my life to a different accent of Spanish. And I had no idea that so many other countries spoke my language in a very different way, mm-hmm. uh, almost to the point where I didn't understand them. You may relate, because I still can't understand people from the South a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, sister, I'm trying. <laughs> or, or people in England. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, but, you know, I, I, I guess when I let all of that go and, I, you know, I stopped trying to impose myself or the way things should be and just opened up, you know, my ears and my heart and, uh, and listened to some of these people. I've traveled abroad quite a bit um, to Africa, to places in Europe, to South America, to Peru and Puerto Rico and oftentimes met people who are, um, you know, living as if it were 200 years ago. And the best way to do that is to listen to these people. It's just to, not to show up but to, and to say, this is how we do things. This is how we're going to help you. 
just sit there and be and listen to those people. And uh, they'll give you more in five or ten minutes than you've ever expected, you know, just by listening and sharing with those people. So I think the main thing is letting that go first, right? And then being open to what they have and being able to receive that. Great. Kathy, what uh, role? You've had a lot of experience in working with different people in different scenarios. What role then does listening play in this discussion? So the first thing that comes to mind uh, is my daughter, Justice. I had an experience where I was doing something and she didn't want me to do it. And I kept doing it because I'm the mother and I know better. Um, (laughs) And uh, she said to me, you hear me, but you don't listen. And I had to take a step back and go, okay, what is it she's really trying to say and how do I be present with her as opposed to try and impose my thoughts, my ideas, my wisdom on her, that kind of thing. And I think that part of listening is to stop, to be present, to stop being so busy in your head trying to think of how you're going to respond and what you want to say or ask next and just actually just hear what the person is actually talking to you about. I am in a new position at the hospital where I get the opportunity to go into patients' rooms and to uh, hear their story, to be present with them, and to uh, touch them in a way that's on an emotional, uh, spiritual level in in some cases. And, And most of it is just about, I'm here, I'm with you, I want to hear your story. Great. Scott, your role here in the community, in our schools, is about this listening process. Talk to us a little. Yeah, so I work at Dillon Valley Elementary School, and a large part of my day is just is listening to children. And, um, you know, they have this desire just to be heard and just to be seen and just to be recognized, even for 30 seconds. And And I feel like we have that connection with God, too. You know, the Bible tells us that, um, God knew your name before you were born. He knew you before you were born. He knows your spirit. He knows your character. And I believe that that's the example for us. We're called to get to know each other in these deeper ways. And as I was thinking of this question, I thought, you know, if, you, if, if all of you were to, to look around you, how many people do you really know that are sitting close to you or sitting far away from you? We, we all come here every Sunday, but do we really know each other? And what would the power be if we did? What if we took time to really hear each other's stories, to understand where we come from, to understand where we're connected, to understand that, that my friend here isn't just a drummer. He's, he's a complex person with um, a lot to offer the world, right? Not just drums on Sunday. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's what we're called to do as Christians. If we're willing to enter a space with each other and be changed by each other's stories or connected by each other's stories, then we're deepening our, our, our experience as Christians. Good. Jim, you're one of the best listeners I've ever worked with. Um, talk to us a little bit. One of your basic tenets that I've gathered from you is the idea of curiosity. Maybe talk to us a little bit about Give us some ideas about listening. Yeah, uh, Scott, we, we've talked as leadership about that, the difference between being a friendly church and being an engaging church. Those are two very different qualities. What does it look like to meet people, 
be friendly, but what does it look like to move deeper and to say, who are you? And get to know them. And I am absolutely convinced that curiosity is uh, should be a key element in every process that we go through, whether it's evangelism, listening to people struggle with sin, whatever it is, is just being curious. And I'm, I'm a big fan that when the Bible tells us to do something, two things are true. Number one is we're not going to want to do it. Number two, it's in our best interest if we do. And so the word for uh, the word for to hear or listen is the same word to obey, just how they translate it in your in the context. But it's the same word. So the ancients they never thought of separating those ideas out. And so curiosity and listening is very very critical all the way through the scriptures. It's interesting that God listened to all of the prophets when they implored Him. He listens to our prayers. We have a hard time listening to God, don't we? I mean, that's a, one of the biggest challenges we face. We're just, we just don't want to listen. We, we really want to, to think that we have the answer to everything. And to pause and just let people talk, it's fascinating. I'm all over the county in bars and coffee shops talking to people. And when I just sit back and listen, one of my friends says it this way, when I'm talking, the Holy Spirit is not. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I'm sitting back and listening, I just hear all kinds of amazing things mm-hmm. and learn about people. It's fascinating. That's great. And while you've got the floor, Jim, what, what do we have to lose? This is very important for our congregation. What do we risk to lose if we don't celebrate diversity? The kingdom and culture. That's what, we, that's what the risk is. At five years old, I remember um, going to the ice cream shop with my dad. I couldn't read yet. I hadn't started school. And, um, and there were two water fountains. So I asked him why there were two water fountains. I couldn't read the sign that said white and colored. And so my dad got down on his knees, I won't ever forget it, and just had tears in his eyes and said, explain what they were for. And I said, why, why, why do we need two? And he talked about because of our culture. He said, one day maybe we won't need to do that. It's really interesting. I went back a few years ago with my family, and uh, the water fountains are now gone, but the pipes sticking out of the wall are still there. And um, I went through the whole, um, as some of you did, busing integration and the whole issues um, with that. And it was a very stressful time. And so if we don't listen and if we don't celebrate diversity, what we risk losing is the kingdom. Because God designed us that way. So all the way through the Holy Ghost series, from here on out, we're going to spend a lot of time in Romans. And what's going to emerge is a very clear priority in God's mind on the nations. And when we get to Easter in Revelation 5, it concludes with the book of Revelation five times. Every tribe, every nation, every people, every language is present for eternity. And God made us that way. And if we don't learn to listen, we lose a lot. We gain a lot by listening and by celebrating our differences. Kathy, what do you think from your experience? What, what do we lose if we don't celebrate? I think we lose so much, but um, I want to tell a little bit of a, a story, but it'll have a point at the end. Uh, for those of you who know me, I worked in child welfare for many years, and I got my master's degree in social work, and as part of that, I got the opportunity to go to England and work in an adoption agency that also uh, had a home for women with children under five who were involved in the child welfare uh, system there, but 
the system didn't feel like they were safe to go home. And it, I've never been in a situation like this where you could go from everything is calm and everything is going okay to kids jumping off the, well, jumping off the walls, disappearing, going, just going nuts kind of thing. And knowing that you were just an inch away from abuse or neglect happening in that moment. And I remember seeing this one woman and it dawned on me, you don't know what you don't know. You know, and so you don't know what you don't know, but we have the opportunity if we allow ourselves to actually reach out and get to know what we don't know. And so I think that you lose that if you don't make that choice. Hmm. Manny, in first service, I loved what you said about blessing. Share that with us. Yeah. Um, I also agree there's so much that we lose, but one of the things is um, we just lose the blessing of God in so many ways. And um, I often refer back to uh, my, my travels and, you know, I've, I, because I play drums, I've been in a lot of churches, big and small, and I've just, uh, my wife's part of a ministry that speaks also. So I see a lot of speakers, a lot of people who are invited to come in, and they give amazing testimonies. You know, they've been through this, they've gone out of this. They've suffered abuse, they've suffered this and that, and then now that God brought them out, they're just in front of you, um, and, you know, as an inspiration to everybody. But I, um, and I thought the same thing for a long time, until I went to um, Africa in, in particular. Um, I went with a group of about 10 people, and um, I was the, the odd one out because I was a musician, and uh, everybody else there were uh, from, from here, you know, and they were uh, born and raised in Christian good homes, um, they went to church every day. Their parents taught them the Bible. They went to Sunday school and did all that. And um, the Africans, I spoke to about a handful of them who were just extremely impressed with having that lifestyle. You know, I often get the impression that people in this country and some of the churches, they think that they have a very boring story. They just go to church every day. This is what they've known their entire life, and it's just very boring. I never went through this, or I never had any kind of trials. I was never persecuted in this way when so many people in the world are. But these people, these handful that I spoke to, uh, very personally told me that they would give their lives to have the same kind of life that you did and that they did. All they wanted was to have uh, a life where they knew whether their life, they, they knew no other other than to know Jesus, other than to have a, a home where there was prayer, where um, they, the people gave to the church. And so it, it, really, it really hit me because that was a blessing. If I didn't uh, open myself up to that, I would have missed that blessing, mm-hmm. that I was more on the side of the boring Christian, which didn't go through anything. I was never tested. I have never been persecuted. They don't threaten my life. They don't threaten my family. And these people did. But, you know, there's something to that as well. Um, those people there would give their lives to have that and to give their children that. So being born and knowing nothing else other than Christ is the Lord of your home. It's a blessing. Great. Scott, last thoughts? Well, the first thing uh, I think we would miss or lose is, is music like we're playing for you today. <laughs> That's um, true. We... There's just so much out there that, that we don't know. And I've also, like many, I've traveled with my music and ministry and, and seen, been in churches in Puerto Rico and Cuba and Korea. And um, it's such a beautiful thing to see that we have this commonality, but it's very different in the way that, that we worship, that we, um, that we come together. 
And that was such an eye-opener for me because oftentimes we get into our comfort zone and this is my world. And I have privilege in the fact that if I don't want to, I don't have to interact outside of that comfort zone. But then I miss so much. I miss um, all this beauty that's out there and all these new experiences and all these ways to enrich my life and my Christian walk. And uh, so that's, that's one of the risks is that we don't, we don't mature, I think, fully as Christians if we're only in our own little comfort zone. We don't mature culturally. We don't mature through the experiences. And the other thing I was going to say to that is, um, you know, it, if, if we are really looking toward eternity and we're looking toward heaven mm-hmm. as our end goal, um, in, in eternity there's an absence of all things negative. There's an absence of um, we won't have a political affiliation anymore. <laughs> yeah. we won't, there won't be anger. There won't be hate. There won't be uh, resentment. Um, and there won't be othering. There won't be division. And so if that's what we're going to live for in eternity, then why not practice it now? Why not experience um, a part of that eternity, a part of that heaven here on earth? And, and what could we do in this community if we opened ourselves up to um, the, all the different cultures that, that seem to come together at King Supers or, or Walmart? You know, that's, that's where our real community is, Right. So what would happen if we opened ourselves up to that and we extended our Christianity um, and and just connected? Great. So African-American Black History Month this month. Maybe you were aware of that. Maybe you weren't. Do any of you know the percentage of African-American individuals who live full-time in Summit County? Any guesses? 0.68%. Not even 1%. So it's a job for us, right? It's a job for us. It's something that we would have to do. We'll have to uh, step out of our simple, obvious, what's been presented to us, and we'll have to uh, step up. That's great. Give these guys a great hand today. Thank you all. That's just the beginning of the conversation. What we would love to have from you is feedback, ideas, thoughts. Again, March 10th, we've got a couple opportunities to interact. We might even be able to get a person or two back from this panel to be a part of that conversation here and then at uh, Pub Theology to follow. But right now, I'm going to invite the band back up. I'm going to invite the ushers to come. We could, of course, 